Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Jeff's going to join me here in a few minutes. I'm not sure if Greg Lotus is going to join me. He didn't respond yesterday, so not sure. Yeah. Um, I just had the craziest experience, like, less than 30 minutes ago. Yeah. I get this, uh, I think it was a Facebook instant message. Hey, Mac, I got to talk to you something good but it's too long for me to put into a tech so I'm laying in bed because I've been procrastinating about getting up and taking a shower and coming in here since about <laughs> since about 5.30 yeah so um, so I talked to somebody who's been in one of my seminars and just says Man, I had a breakthrough moment. Um, you know, I have to tell you that I'm not a I'm not the biggest Kamala Harris fan in the world, but um, I see her get off Air Force One and salute or walk up to it, and it's like she can't be bothered with it. You know, and I find it myself attracted to that when I see it on the news and I just saw it on the monitor here it's like this salute is like this it's almost like you know when you say yes sir to somebody yes sir can mean a lot of things 
Yes, sir. Right? That means fuck you. You're an idiot. Same thing with that salute. Don't even do it then. Okay? We got it. You're a politician. Right? We don't respect you any more than you respect us. So don't even waste our time with it. Anyway. Um, the um, <clears throat> So I get this phone call from somebody who says, you know, I had this kind of breakthrough moment. You know, and, and somebody who's been dealing with sobriety for the last couple of years. But then one of the interesting things about these seminar groups is that they say, you know, I've dealt with my sobriety, but I never really kind of looked very much into what made me drink in the first place. And now this is making me do that. And so go through the course and they, and they learn there is a path that they can walk. And that's what post-traumatic winning is about, right? It's about this fourth path. And they understand the rules. And then I've taken to talk about, and I talked about it, spoke about it last week, or maybe earlier this week. It's all kind of rolling together for me right now, so I'm not sure. But this whole this concept of the breath, this breath as this triggering event, um, and in this very very positive way. And so um, I, she says to me, um, I'm going to this thing and I take a breath and then I have, and then I went to it and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that great. And then on the way home, I did it again, you know. Blah, 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 blah. And um, I just had this epiphany about this all comes back to my financial um, stuff. And and what the thing I, I want to convey to you is, right, the excitement in somebody's voice when this makes sense to them. And, and it's interesting because... You know, I think for a lot of people, it happens in phases, right? Uh, one is, uh, and I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, she got a phone call from from a friend in Hawaii who sat and listened to Post Traumatic Winning. And this girl's from <clears throat> lives in Bismarck, North Dakota, who calls me yesterday, and so her friend, because I didn't have a rental car. Gives me a ride. She had a nice car too. She had a Porsche. Yeah. So anyway, and her friend says to me, and she give me a ride home now at the end of this thing. She goes, I don't have any more mascara thanks to you. I said, <laughs> I said, you're welcome. And she starts telling me about this friend of hers in 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 North Dakota. And I said, well, I'm from North Dakota. I lived in North Dakota. And she looked at me and she said, so did I. And she says, well, this this girl and I meet and blah, blah, blah. So I talked to this girl yesterday. And so she's very emblematic of I've done so much stuff and I've been to therapy. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. look, this ain't like that. And she said, that's what my friend said, that this would help. And I said, so people come in various stage of disbelief, right? I've been there i've done this stuff it doesn't help me or maybe it helped me in a very nuanced way blah 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 
I said, well, I think you'll be surprised if you give it a chance. She said, okay. So I got to call her back today. Um, so this thing happens in different pieces. But what happens is, right, they learn, right? They learn that there is nothing wrong with them. They learn that there is, you know, that this is normal in life. They learn that you have to talk about it. Right? They learn about financial fitness. They learn about physical fitness. They learn about wellness and why it's important and how you have to, you know, study it and evolve it into things that, you know, fit you. You don't have to fit it. It fits you. And in that way, you create this infrastructure in your daily life that that kind of takes your life back and gets you in some form of equilibrium. And then if you can help somebody else, that's how you 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 push the scale down on your side of it, right? You know, if traumatic experiences push the scale down on the other side of it. On the bad side, right, joyful experiences push the scale down um, on the good side. And that's how you do this thing. But it's just been, and again, I, I've talked about this concept of the breath, right? Um the and might it be might behavior change be as simple as taking a breath that is an interrupter and then a positive and then is a positive uh is the initiator of something positive so might it be that simple might it be that simple and so it's really cool to hear somebody, the excitement in their voice and all of that when somebody actually does it. So, yeah, within the last 30 minutes, the craziness of my life. Uh, so good morning to you on a Friday. Uh, you know, terrible news yesterday as a building falls in Miami. I mean, this is the United States. That's not supposed to happen. You know, how the hell does that happen? So, um, and sadly, as it is in most cases, the, the numbers of uh, how many people in that building and whatnot uh, continue to go up. Um, uh, we'll all sit and watch and, and see what happens as they begin to, um, again, they're still in the hopefully uh, rescue phase of this, but it will move shortly into the recovery phase. And then when they begin moving larger pieces and all that. So anyway, um, I don't know, head shaking, head shaking, you know, um, buildings just don't fall down. I mean, they give a lot of indicators that they're going to, that doesn't happen out of the blue as structures get degraded and things like that. So, um, horrible, horrible news. Anyway, uh, the other horrible news is, you know, the, the latest intel assessment said, you know, the government of Afghanistan, you know, may not survive six months. Let me tell you, I don't think it'll be six months. I think it'll be less than 90 days. And uh, Ashraf Ghani's in Washington, D.C. to meet with President Biden. So we'll see what comes out of that. But uh, and then, you know, uh, broadcast to the world will be America's failure in Afghanistan as the Taliban take over control. And it'll be interesting because Tim and, and, and Jeff have, 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 you know, come on the program and talked, spoken about, um, how they believe that, you know, Afghanistan will go back to what it was. And that is, you're going to have certain warlords controlling 
the urban spaces and then the Taliban controlling the majority of, uh, of the rural spaces. Uh, we'll see if that's where the equilibrium goes. So anyway, um, disturbing to say the least that all that we sacrificed for in Afghanistan will be for naught. Yeah, moderately disturbing to say the least. And we're all going to get to watch it on TV. So, yeah, doesn't feel good on a Friday. So good morning to you. Whitney Houston makes it official. Kim Holmes going to join me here in about two minutes. Good morning. dedicated to somebody who called me 30 minutes ago and to another woman who lives in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, uh, I, I will tell you that it's what I do is amazing. <laughs> um, and what I love about it most is that it resonates with people that it's what they understand. Uh, it makes sense. It's plain spoken truth and it's delivered in a kind of a blunt way with a little bit of a sense of humor. But when you somebody calls you and feels like their life is changing in front of them and they have the tools that they think they know they need to make it all make sense and to go to a better place. I always talk about the bow wave of joy that comes over your ship and changes trauma to joy or at least knocks trauma to the ass end of the ship. Well, <laughs> I just felt another one less than 30 minutes ago. So anyway, um, this is de- dedicated to those two women. And another one in Hawaii who called the woman in Bismarck to put her in touch with me. Nice going, girls. Oh, 
betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> that is never not funny <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. Maybe even funnier. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, let me check the weather and then the chef's gonna join us. Currently in Quantico it is partly sunny in seventy two. Down the coast is at Camp Lejeune it is raining in seventy five. Twenty nine palms, sunny in eighty, so they've cooled down a little bit. Camp Pendleton, partly sunny sixty two. Camp Smith in Hawaii is clear dark at 67, so that's a little bit cool for Hawaii. In Okinawa, it is dark cloudy in 80. In Darwin, it is cloudy in 79. In Oslo, in Norway, it is sunny in 69. In the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California, it is fair, whatever the hell that means. I would tell you the sun's out, okay? Yeah, it's mostly sunny. And 64. What the hell does fair mean? I have no idea. Currently, it's going to be 74 today. Not currently, but high of 74 today. How beautiful is that? 75 tomorrow, 76 on Sunday, 76 on Monday, 75 on Tuesday. So that is a look at your weather. And uh, joining me, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only P. Kimball Holmes. The P stands for Paul, in case you don't know. Kim, good morning. How are you? Top of the morning, chef. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. You're the chef. How's everything uh, in Shepland? Yeah, well, 
You're, you're right up there. How goes it? Well, I was in Hawaii this week, so... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah, so it was good. It was good. I uh, got a chance to... Uh, one On Tuesday morning, I got a chance to go do a little tourism. And so I went out to the, the Punch Bowl, the cemetery, and... Uh, yep. My great uncle's name is engraved on. Uh, they have like a, for those of you who've never been to the Punch Bowl, but it's a cemetery. It's it's a national military cemetery, and it's really close to downtown Honolulu, which I did not know. And um, and so, um, in the early '60s, they constructed these marble walls, and they engraved on these walls names of American service members lost in the Pacific who were never recovered. And so my great uncle is, uh, his name is on there. So when I thought about, you know, I was going to go do, be, be able to go do a little bit of tourism, I thought, you know, the first place I should go is to, uh, is there. And uh, his his picture is up in my um is up in my uh, studio, and it has been for a long time. And That's cool. Yeah, 25, I think he's 25 years old, 26 maybe. Um, and uh, he was killed, and his body never recovered. And, uh, you know, devastating uh, to his family. Uh, one, to lose Absolutely. him, right? And then two, uh, to, uh, you know, to never recover anything. Um, to be able to have a funeral, to go be able to put flowers someplace on Memorial Day or whatnot. And I remember my grandmother talking about how devastating it was for my uh, for her mother and uh, and their whole family. And so the other thing that dawned on me, hit me, was that, you know, there's nothing left of him, you know, on the, on the planet. There's, n- I mean, yeah. he was, he was, he was so young, um, he didn't have time to, um, you know, to start a family or any of that. And so yeah. this is what's left of him. And it's just, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty sad uh, when, and sobering that that's the sacrifice that some young people made for this country. And uh, absolutely, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes I don't know that, um, you know, the nation appreciates it nearly the way it should, at least in my opinion. And uh, I know I have a different opinion because I am a veteran. And uh, so I did I, I did that. And then I did an interview with the guy that will play next week. He's written a book called The Rifle. And you'll like this. He So he's, a, he's an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran. And he has an M1 Garand rifle, which is the rifle that was used in World War uh two and for parts of the Korean War. Most of the Korean War. And so he takes the rifle and he says, one of my neighbors I knew had fought in the Pacific. So I go down and I say, Hey, can I talk to you about this rifle? And he says, I put this rifle in his hands and it was like he transformed in front of me. This thing, I'll bet he did. This thing brings to life these stories, and and you know this guy's 
daughter said, I've never seen him like that in my life. Wow. Yeah. And so the interview is amazing, but the rifle is this triggering mechanism um, that is used for this book that he wrote. And the book is called The Rifle. And I think he's done over 250 interviews now. And the rifle is the thing that triggers the whole interview. So it's very cool. And so he and I were talking and he mentioned something very similar to what I said about this is all that was left of him. And, and he talks about his, his great uncle, interestingly enough, that was killed in fighting in Italy. And, wow. you know, he was a replacement. He went over and he got, he gets killed in fighting the Germans on a mountain in, uh, in Italy. And, uh, yeah. And so it's just, uh, kind of a very, very cool series of stories and, uh, and, and this rifle being the catalyst for all of it. So it's uh, very cool. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had a crazy kind of a <laughs> crazy kind of a week, uh, flying around and doing my You've thing. You've had a great week. Yeah. And then I, uh, there's a North Dakota connection too. I, the, the girl that's giving me a ride in Hawaii um, after I do my thing, she, she's she has a really nice car. It's a Porsche kind of SUV. Nice. So she yeah. give me a ride back to where I'm staying, and she says, "Look at me. I have no mascara because of you." I said, "Well, congratulations, because that means you have a heart." And she starts laughing, right? And um, so <laughs> she says. I have a friend in Bismarck, North Dakota, that I want to introduce you to. And I said, I used to live in North Dakota. And she said, really? And I said, yes. She said, where? She said, because I did too. I said, I lived in Grand Forks. She said, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, her husband, obviously, in the Air Force. So they were stationed at Grand Forks Air Force Base. And uh, so anyway, she put me in touch with this woman from Bismarck, and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to, to help her. And so, yeah, a little bit of a North Dakota connection there. So Where they go, man. There you go, man. The seven right degrees of Kevin Bacon continues to haunt me in my Pretty life. Much. The seven degrees of North Dakota. So tell me about, uh, first of all, we need a weather update. How's the weather in North Dakota? Gloomy. Just... Pissing gloomy. Really? Yeah, it just uh, it was 90 degrees yesterday. Uh, we don't know. Or that. Wednesday. And then it got cooler. And a uh, little bit of thunder showers last night. And then now it's figuring out whether it's going to rain or not. But it's cloudy. What have you been up to last week? Uh, not Not a hell of a lot. How is the uh, consulting on the new restaurant going? That is going very well. I had a meeting with the chef, Laura, and she is great. She will run a great, very good restaurant. And uh, she's already hired a few people. And we sat here at my house for about two hours with Hal and Matt. And uh, and her and uh, discussed business and uh, what was going to happen. And uh, then we went down to the restaurant and all the kitchen is in. 
Whoa. And it looks magnificent. And they're putting the finishing touches on the rest of the joint. And uh, it's it's going to be spectacular. Very, very swank. Really? Uh, yeah, beautiful red leather upholstered seats. Now, now uh, let me, I want to ask you about your kind of, your view of swank, because your restaurant was different in that than, you know, a lot of ones that I've ever been in. Uh-huh. Um, well, I you, thought Sanders was swank too. Well, yeah, but you felt comfortable going in there, uh, yes. in non-swank. Um, so, it, how do you, how do you, how do you make it work like that, where people, you know, when they say, "Oh, well, it's we're not dressed for that," and somebody else says, "Oh, yeah, we are," and says, uh, "Is that the ambiance of the joint?" So, the, and is that the ambiance different than? The decor of the joint? People would call me up and say, do you have a dress code? I say, yes, a very strict one. You have to wear clothes. <laughs> and uh, and that's pretty much how it is now uh, with how. It's just going to be a very well-appointed restaurant uh, with leather booths and uh, little nooks and crannies everywhere. Uh, very uh, soundproofed. So you can have a conversation with somebody next to you. How do you do that? How do you soundproof it? Do you, is it is there baffling Lots of insulation? Oh, okay, yeah, and baffling and stuff. Right, and uh, and then uh, which is not know, which is not cheap. I might add. No, it never Dep- is. Depending on how you do it, but the yeah, uh, he's doing it uh, first class, as one would expect, of course, and. Uh, and I, I just think it's going to be a fun place to go to. Uh, it's going to be casual. But, uh, you know, like I say, you know, you wear what you want to wear. Uh, there'll be plenty of cowboy hats and baseball caps in there, I'm sure. What, um, and it, won't, it won't matter. If you, were, if, you were putting, if you were putting a brand new joint together, okay, yeah. what... Is there some? Is there in your head? Is there an idea that you have for a restaurant? Yeah, is, open kitchen. Uh, what does that mean? So when you say open kitchen, what does it mean? It means that you can look into the kitchen from anywhere you are. Okay. And uh, watch how things go. And uh, now the old very- days, the kitchen was separate from the restaurant, and normally, you know, the the servers went. Like through a doorway into the kitchen, all that was closed. And I hated that. I hated that. That my my servers got their food at the counter, exposed to everyone. Right. When there was a, a banter between the chefs and the servers. Now, would you would you even change the? I mean, because your so yours was one of the first places I saw like that. Um, mm-hmm. Would you change it even more to make the kitchen even more open? Um, if you were putting one together now? Uh, I like the way Hal's putting it together. It's not quite as open as it was with mine. Uh, it's a smaller place. Right. Uh, and But it's plenty open. There's lots for people to see and do and converse about. Right. Uh, so I, I think uh, it, it's a good mix of how he wants to do it, and uh, 
and the, the, the comfort factor is going to be very high. Uh, and the food should be exceptional. That's the big thing. Hold on. I've got an email for you. Mac, I have a question for the chef this morning. Good. He Hope ta- I can answer it. Oh, you'll be able to answer this one. He talks about putting onion on hot dogs with dark mustard. Is it white onion? Absolutely. Is it white onion or red onion? White. White. Finely diced white onion. You, you can chuck the red onions. Chuck the red onion. Got Only it. a heathen wants red onions. <laughs> on a hot dog. <laughs> on a hot that's dog. Spoken, that's, that's spoken in... in uh, Hot dog snobbery, <laughs> uh, uh, carnival snobbery. Right, no, no. It's just uh, it's just white onions with dark mustard and a steam bun and a grilled hot dog. There you go, your basic hot dog, killing it. Um, yep, that's it. The uh, Dave from Vacaville says hello. Uh, here's Hi, another Dave. one. As long as we're talking about common man food. What would Kim add to scrambled eggs to make them better? So you have a little scrambled egg trick to make them better? Yeah, you add cream cheese. You uh, you, you take a, a few dollops of cream cheese, and if you just want a nice high-pro-glow cream uh, scrambled egg that's smooth, Silky. Then you you mix in a little cream cheese just before they're cooked, and uh, though that cream cheese will continue to dissolve, but there'll still be cream cheese pieces in there. And uh, and then uh, wow, if if you're really cool, you'll uh, top it with bacon crumbles, and uh, and you should be in the front row then. So. Uh, Cream cheese dollops, and those yeah. go into the pan, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right right, right before they're done. And then. That's when you add the cream cheese. And so when you say bacon, you mean freshly cooked bacon? That's kind of. Freshly cooked, chopped up bacon. Chopped up bacon. That's, that's just a bonus that I would add. Yeah. Uh, or you can have whole strips of bacon on the side. Nothing tastes like bacon. Nothing. Nothing tastes like bacon. Nothing. You gotta have bacon. Nothing. One form or the other, you have to have bacon with breakfast. <laughs> I, I I take it over sausage any day of the week. It's not even close. Not even close. Well, for some people, bacon is nothing. Tastes like bacon. No, nothing. Nothing tastes like bacon. The um. Well, all right, now we're going to get it going. Um, what kind of bacon does he like, thin or thickly cut? Thick cut bacon, uh, smoked usually, uh, and you uh, you cook it until it's crisp. Not burnt, but so it's crisp. Crisp. So you pick out the bacon when it's done, you know, pat it with a little paper towel. And then you have that bacon 
in your hand and it snaps and then you devour it. That's my preference. And that's there you go. The um here's another one. Hey Mac. I'm a tuna fish sandwich guy. My condolences. <laughs> Does Kim have any recommendations? You're not a tuna fish guy? I love tuna fish. Oh, really? But you, you, you uh, like with my tuna fish, yeah. I like uh, finely diced celery in there. I like a little crunch. Yeah. I like white onions. And then I like a little pickle relish Ooh. with the mayo. And mix it all together, and then that—that's—that's that's a great tuna fish sandwich. So hold on, let me get this straight. So it's mayo, um, white onion, white onion, white onion, and what else? What was the other one? A uh, little pickle relish, pickle relish, for a little sweetness, and then chopped celery, chopped celery for a crunch, not big chunks. But you know, you you chop the celery up pretty uh, pretty close. Now I'm Kim. I'm normally anti celery, but I support yeah. I support celery and tuna fish. How about that? Yeah, there you go. I think that's good. But but you know, it's, it's I just not want I'm I'm just trying here. to display my range as a oh uh, your your range is, is <laughs> as a as expanded. As a, as a culinary person, okay, I I do have Very range. So. I'm not closed minded, you know, relative to you not know anymore. Not exactly, anymore. not you we know, I'm not allow in, it. <laughs> I'm not intolerant of celery, no. right? Just because I don't like it in turkey dressing, okay. That's so true. I just want to show show you that, yeah, I I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Um, the um, oh, hold on. Here's another one. He goes. <laughs> I'm loving this everyday person food, peanut butter and jelly. How does Kim make his? Are you a PB and J oh. guy? Yeah, I do. I uh, I personally like crunchy peanut butter, and then I like a jam, not a jelly. A jam. Okay, like so jelly. hold on. Explain to everybody the difference between jam and jelly. Jam is made. Uh, so it's thick and spreadable. Uh, jelly, it, you, it's like opening a jar of uh, grape jelly. The ones where that you get at the restaurant where you pull, they're in little plastic packets and you pull the top yes. off. Yes. It's that, yeah. okay. That, that, that sucks. You want, you <laughs> okay, want so, jam so what's, you can spread. Okay, so what's over. the difference between jam? Okay, so we know what jelly is. What's a preserve then? Is a are preserves and jam the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's strawberry preserve, blueberry preserve. Beth makes a great blueberry jam uh, or preserves, however you want to call it, and uh, that's real good. These blueberries are super big and plump, and then she'll cook some of them and then mix whole ones in with it. And then, uh, and then I take a crunchy peanut butter and spread it on the little uh, bread. Uh, the bread's got to be thick, thicker than thin. You know, not just Wonder Bread. Right. Got to have a little tooth to it. Got and it. And then, uh, and then you've got a great sandwich. So, 
my mother, who insisted that butter would be on one side of the bread and peanut butter, you don't go there. No, my mother did too. Oh, she did? Yeah, she did. And I was not a fan. Oh, really? I am. I am. Yeah, well, that's cool. Right, right, right. right, right. So, so. Whatever turns your crank. Well, you know, as you would say, you know, mess with it. Make two sandwiches, fire them both down. Why eat one peanut butter and jelly sandwich when you could eat two? And then make, draw your own conclusion. There you go. Yeah. I I 100% agree with you. I know. Well, I'm actually, I'm, I am, I am, uh, I am knocking, uh, I'm not. I'm stealing your material too. Actually, is what I'm doing here. I didn't start out like this, folks. Kim kind of educated me, educated me about this kind of stuff, and uh, you know, because people would call in and ask, like, "Well, which way do you do that?" And uh, or you know, my classic moment with Kim in his restaurant. Um, <laughs> hey, could I get this? And he looks at me and says, "He says, look, you can have anything you want." in this restaurant that I can serve legally and maybe some illegal stuff too that I'm really not supposed to, if I can get it. But his point was this, you're the customer, man. My job is to make it, you know, good for you. So you can have anything you want and you can have it any way you want it. And then relative to food, his, his advice was screw with it, man. That's how I like it, but mess with it. Right. Yeah. Imp- improv, baby. Improv. Here's another uh, one, right? One. Figure it out. I concur 100% about the cream cheese in the scrambled eggs. I'd never heard that yeah. before. Two. Yeah, it's so I good. love bacon. I mean, yes. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> There's a great saying about commitment, right? That the, yeah. the pig is committed to breakfast. The chicken is involved. Yes. Yeah. So it's a great commentary right. on what it is to be committed. The pig is committed. Yeah. The, the chicken's involved. And number three, I am the queen of making award-winning tuna melts. Well, what oh, do you? That's good. That's a good. Uh, what do you put? Sandwich. What do you put on a tuna melt? You know, let me Jeez. just tell you. I yeah, I'm a fan of. I'm trying to remember what they were if they were on english muffin it was like a tuna melt with onion and then swiss yeah. cheese and tomato over the top of it yes does that sound like a tuna melt that sounds great <laughs> that sounds like i'm gonna try and have one today <laughs> that really does sound delicious no kathleen no kathleen Oh, I just got sourdough bread. Again. Uh, that's okay. Maybe a little rye okay. sometimes. Yeah, that that's not bad. Very sharp uh, cheddar cheese. Yeah, I'm not I don't see that. I there don't you see go. No. Sharp cheddar cheese, obviously at the low end of the culinary scale we're talking about. Swiss cheese. Come on, Swiss cheese with the tomato. Oh god. Swiss oh, cheese. and let me and let me tell you what the only thing it's missing is a few slices of avocado. Yep, that's true. How about that? But uh, a good Swiss cheese, like an Emmentaler or a Gruyere. No. Uh, imported Swiss cheese. Oh, okay, Swiss cheese. Yeah, I don't see the cheddar. Not, not I don't see the cheddar cheese on this. A package. Yeah, I think I think cheddar cheese is the wrong term. 
a wrong turn on the, all of this. The um, yeah. Here's another one. Okay, so I got thick bacon. Does he go for, like, apple smoked or any of that? Yes. Or So elaborate on your, on your bacon choice. I like apple smoke, applewood smoked. Really? Yeah, that uh, adds a little bonus for me. All right, all right. People trying to figure out the chef's culinary uh, taste. Here's another Good one. luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my taste is what happens right now. Uh, whether I'm in the mood, what's available to me. That has a lot to do with with my desires for lunch. Uh, now, li- listen to this. Okay. For lunch yesterday. Hold on, hold on. Let me read you some. Before, don't forget that for lunch yesterday. Hold on to that. Yeah. Hey Mac, ask him what's happening to the Dodgers. They just got swept in San Diego, and then they got no hitted yesterday by the Cubs. Oh yeah, I know. What and hit four home runs. And still lost. What's cool? Uh, my Dodgers, my Dodgers will be there at the end. Okay. But right now they suck. <laughs> right. uh, to put it in the vernacular. All right. All right. So, go. All right. So back to where we were. Anyway. Okay. Yesterday. Yesterday. Beth got some Asiago bagels. Okay. Okay. So you got two of those. What? Is, so what does that mean? What's an Asiago bagel? Bagel. It's a it's a, a bagel, uh, real tight bagel, uh, not a hole in it, but with uh, uh, cheese on it, you know, baked into it. Okay. And what she did was she sliced, sliced about, I'd say. Uh, a good quarter to th- of an inch slices on the bagel. Then she toasted them in the oven. And then she poured, pulled them out of the oven and put pesto on the bread. Oh. On, on an open face. Now, follow me close because this is a killer lunch. And... Uh, she uh, put a slice of, on top of the pesto, she put a slice of tomato, a slice of mozzarella, some prosciutto, thinly, thinly sliced prosciutto parma, and then she topped it with a little arugula salad with a, uh, a kind of a, a dressing on it. An apple vinegar dressing, Whoa. and uh, not just very lightly uh, tossed, right? And put that on, and then we had three each, and uh, oh my God, I was stuffed. What? After three? After three? After listen, they're heavy. The tomato. The mozzarella, the pesto, the the crunch of the bagel, but the pesto soaks into the bread, so you you get a double whammy there. It's just a luxe. And then uh, you I bite know, down but you're it. I mean, come on, you're a big eater, man. Three of those filled you up. Are you kidding me? 
Uh, I had four. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I confess, I had four. I'm not going to lie And my wa- wife watched me with her mouth <laughs> draped open eat the fourth one. She says, what the F are you doing? <laughs> I says, I can't help myself. These are too effing good. There you go. And, uh, and, uh, and we got to have them again soon. That uh, is funny. And it, it was that bagel that was toasted. And, you know, sliced like a a, a little crostini, uh, and then she put that pesto on on the bread, which softened the bread, and then the tomato, then fresh mozzarella too. Fresh you know, mozzarella that that you get in the in the whole tubes, and they're little circles of fresh mozzarella, and you you. Take half of that and put that on, and then a piece of uh, prosciutto uh, de Parma, and then the, and then you top it with a little bit of this arugula salad. Now, I'm not an arugula guy. Trust me, I am not a pansy arugula guy. <laughs> However, hey, there's nothing if, if there's nothing wrong with being a pansy arugula guy if that's who you are. This this was. Out of this world deluxe. Really? The balance of, of all of those together. The balance. The balance, yeah. You take a bite. Wow. And you get a little bit of everything in each bite. And uh, the, the crostinis, you know, when you slice them up and toast them, they're about three three to four inches long. And, uh, it, and, and then... Uh, I, Almost a half an inch thick, and goddamn, they're good. <laughs> but that's for somebody that might want to experiment with uh, a little rush today uh, or yeah. tomorrow, whatever. All right, here's another one. This is actually from the the queen the uh, the tuna melt back. We're, so we're going to go back to the tuna melt, not yeah. hot tuna. Yuck. Make the grilled cheese sandwich part and then add on, right? Yeah. Uh, I But I like when you – I think – this is me now. I think that I get the, the, the toasted thing, right? And then to me, I think there should be two pieces of Swiss cheese, one on top of the bread. Then you get the scoop of tuna salad. Yes. Right? Then another piece of Swiss cheese – a tomato, right, and then that goes into the oven. You heat that up a little bit, and then the broiler. There you go. Thank you very much. And then when it comes out, you put a little. That's when you put staple the avocado to the top of it. That's yeah. what, that's what I'm talking you're about. In, you're in the front row. Thank you. you. Gotta, Thank you. you so eat. I don't know who's sending in the messages about. No, don't heat the tuna. The tuna. I'm not talking about making it hot, but a little warmed up. Yeah. Come on, man. That's that's the essence yeah. essence of a hot tuna sandwich. Yeah, like well, hello, like do you not know? Yeah, come on, come on, man, get with the program. Get on the same page with us. <laughs> come on, come, yeah, <laughs> yeah, grow up a little bit. Grow those taste buds up a little bit. Get out of your mommy's yeah. kitchen for God's sakes. The um, yeah. all right. Here's here's another one. Mac, I have a question for the chef. I see people do this, and I've heard him talking about the 
thumb temperature device. I've yeah. also learned that that's different from the Bismarck Press, evidently. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Bismarck Press is something completely different. And so here's the question. My question is, why do you see some people hollow out with a thumbprint the center of a hamburger? Well, so it doesn't blow up uh, and, and turn into a ball. Uh, you, you put a thumbprint on a hamburger, and, and, and that when that cooks up, it, it's an even flat top hamburger. Oh, as opposed That's to the middle the, being much thicker than the outside of the burger. Much thicker than the outside. Got it. So that's why they do that. Well, that to, makes sense. put that, that in. That makes sense. Huh? And, and, uh, and the Bismarck press is all you're doing is <laughs> squeezing every ounce of the fucking juice out of a hamburger with a spatula. <laughs> And 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 you keep squeezing, flipping, <laughs> squeezing, flipping. But if you're going to use your thumb, that made, means you're measuring the temperature of rare, medium rare, well done. And but the easier just so everybody knows, in, it's not easy to have a calibrated thumb. You have to make more than no. a hamburger a month yeah. to have a calibrated thumb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So be careful with that. And the thumb is best for steaks. Yeah, you if, know, if you can. Lay's, do, New York's. If you can you do know. that. Here's another one. And I meant to talk about this, but thank you for sending this. Hey, Mac. I know you guys are North Dakota hockey guys. And I believe I've heard you mention this name on your program before. Dave Haxtall is the new head coach. Of my Seattle Kraken. What do you guys think? Um, good luck, Dave. Yeah, good luck, Dave. Uh, well, let me just tell you. Here's a couple thoughts. First of all, the guy who's the GM of the Seattle team is a guy named Ron Francis. He's a yeah. NHL Hall of Fame guy. He's a huge guy in Hockey Canada. And he comes with great pedigree. So I was curious about who the GM that that chose our friend Dave and cause Dave Haxtell is a great, great dude. And, yes, um, he is the best. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I remember my dad, you know, to get an opportunity to coach, right. In major league <laughs> yeah. baseball, somebody has got to give you a chance. Yes. And my dad would tell you the hardest job you get is the first one you get. And so, um, and so, you know, then, you do it once, and hopefully, you know, you know, most guys wind up getting fired at some point. But you, hopefully, you prove yourself enough that somebody gives you another chance. And obviously, Dave has done that. And so, uh, congratulations to him. And here's here's just a quick comment: the NHL has has kind of, I think, cracked the code on expansion teams. If you look in football, if you look in baseball. Those teams are the expansion teams uh, don't do well for years. Hockey, yeah. the 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 latest lo- expansion team was the Las Vegas Knights. Yep. Hello, 
I mean, they just lost in overtime to go to the Stanley Cup for what, I think? I mean, they, second time. Yeah, for the second time. They were, they're only, what, less than five years old? That's right. And so the NHL, I think, has done it the right way in terms of they, they get those teams good players. They don't allow, so the way this happens is every team is allowed to protect X number of people. And if you don't make that number very high, then that team gets to pick good players. And they don't. And so I think the NHL has uh, done it the right way. I think uh, our friend Dave uh, gets another crack at, at, at being a head coach in the NHL. This time with the benefit of having already been a, a head coach in the NHL and an assistant and an coach. Assistant. And And let me tell you, and that's what my dad my My dad, when he got fired in Oakland, he went across the bay. He's a coach for the San Francisco Giants. Willie Mays is playing on the San Francisco Giants. Willie McCovey. Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, Bobby Bonds, all these guys are playing. And again, now at the professional level, you've already managed once. You're taking yep. notes. If I ever get another shot, and so so all the best of luck to Dave. Uh, he and yeah. his wife Erin, just uh, great people. The best people. Yeah, and so uh, so uh, exciting things. So thank you very much for mentioning this. Um, yep. Pansy, he'll do real well. Yeah, Pansy Arugula, fucking outstanding! Exclamation mark. <laughs> the the um, let's see, jam! Exclamation mark. Don't forget the All American fried bologna sandwich. Come on, hey, that's no joke, man. If you want to make a good sandwich, I this woman who lived around the corner from me. My mom was great friends with her. Her name was Pearl Galbraith, and uh, she's a. Uh, her father was a undocumented migrant migrant worker, and she Pearl grew up in Yuba City, California, which is outside Sacramento. And Pearl could make, I don't care, Mexican food, American food, and she was gifted. And she asked me one day, "Do you want do you want a fried bologna sandwich?" I'd never had one, but Kathleen. Right. In fact, the ghost of Kathleen would slap me straight across the face, even in my old age now, if I were to wrinkle my nose when somebody offered me something. She would look yeah. at me, and you know what you're supposed to say. I mean, she would, before we went out to dinner at somebody else's house, she would look at us all and say, You're going to eat every bite. Everyone understand? Yes, ma'am. And we shoveled, we shoveled it in, even if it tastes like garbage. <laughs> we knew better. Right. So, um, Pearl asked me if I want a fried bologna sandwich. And there's only one answer, right? Yes, ma'am. And so, um, yeah, and so she made on toast with mayonnaise, fried bologna yep. with a piece of American cheese and Correct. mustard and lettuce. And Correct. oh, my God. And the fried bologna has a little bit of black crust on it on the edges because uh, yeah. the center of the bologna puffs up. Yes. Uh, to die in for. Fact, in fact, I uh, was at uh, L&M the other uh, few months ago. Tell everybody what L&M is. It's Kim's local butcher, just for the record. Yeah, local butcher. And I ordered uh, half a pound of sliced bologna slices about a quarter inch thick 
So I could have my fried bologna sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> much, much a, get, uh, a shocking bet. But, oh, so good. You know, just for the record, if you've never had one, make it a point this weekend to make one. Yeah. And then shoot us an email, tell us what you think. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> fried bologna sandwich, I would even, and, and I'll cop to this, I put ketchup on my, not a lot, but a little bit of ketchup on my fried bologna sandwich. Fine, fair enough. Yep. Fair yeah. enough. Yep. So, um, I, I love this everyday food episode that we're doing right here. Yeah, it's good. I haven't had a lot of fun. What about, here's another one. What about grilled cheese sandwich? Did you do anything tricky to that? Well, it depends what kind of grilled, uh, what kind of cheese you have. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I would tell you that the only kind of grilled cheese sandwich is American cheese. That's that's true in a lot of cases. Now, uh, I also, when I lived in Switzerland, we didn't have. We'd come home from uh, our summer breaks before the hotel opened, mm-hmm. and we live on grilled cheese sandwiches. And we get some of that Swiss bread, which, you know, local baker, right. which is like no other bread you'll ever eat. And then we'd, we'd uh, go get fresh Gruyere or Emmentaler or whatever cheese that she was selling us. And then we'd go home and uh, we'd uh, get that North Swiss soup, get some milk, and make soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. And we lived off of that for about a week until we got paid from the hotel. And uh, I'm telling you, there's nothing better than one of those grilled cheese sandwiches. And what kind, but, of, what kind of cheese was it? It was Gruyere, it was Emmentaler, a different type of Swiss. Uh, uh, those are the two basic ones. We'd put them in there together, yeah. butter the bread, and then grill them. And then uh, until the cheese melted in between, and then we'd split them up, cut them, and then have a, a little bowl of soup. And then uh, we... we, we Splurged uh, a chocolate bar, uh, fancy a Swiss chocolate bar, and drink uh, coffee and play hearts all night. <laughs> <laughs> were you any? And, and, were, you, were you any good at hearts? Oh, it's killer good. Uh, but uh, so was Bob. Bob was really good um, at hearts. Everybody had their moments in hearts. Right. That's what was so much fun because there was never a strong, strong person, sometimes faultless one. Sometimes Peter Betts did. I win. Bob win. The four of us would go round and around. Wait, you mean Peter Betts, the drummer for the Beatles? No, 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 no. This is uh, my dear friend, Peter Betts from Switzerland, who I met. He's an American guy from New Hampshire. And he was a ski instructor there. He married uh, Rosie, uh, a local girl. And got they, it. They, uh, they're really swell people. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Here's, a, uh, here's another one. 
Speaking of everyday food, my favorite is English muffins. Is there anything Kim would recommend for my morning English muffin? That's kind of a religious well, event that 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 uh, Thomas's English muffin with a little bit of crust on it and all those little holes that hold all that butter in it. How do you mess with that, man? Well, you add a little jam and then you put bacon on top of it. Bacon on top of jam? Oh, that sounds disgusting. Oh, that sounds disgusting. It is so freaking good. <laughs> Are you uh, kidding? It's me? not even close. Come on, uh, really? Now my my grandfather at nighttime would sit around and he'd take English muffins and he'd make little pizzas. Oh. And and he he'd put the uh, a little tomato sauce on there, a little mozzarella cheese, and maybe some pepperoni, and then put them under the broiler. And uh, and and I was allowed three at the most. <laughs> oh, uh, not four? About four hundred. They were so good. I mean, come on, a, a English muffin pizza. That's two bites, for God's sakes, for a human being. <laughs> and uh, and and I had he was a dainty guy, and uh, he'd make it in four bites. So I had to make it and stretch it to three to four bites. But man, every time he said, "You want another one?" Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough now. That's enough. You've had three already. That's enough. <laughs> How funny. The um all right, here's another one. The um let's just, first of all, I want to tell you how much I'm enjoying this morning's program. A lot of times you guys talk steaks and all this big food. These are things that every one of us eats which makes this so fun and enjoyable. Good. I want to go back to tuna fish if you don't mind. Sure. For those of us who don't enjoy mayonnaise, what would the chef say that he would do to you to make tuna taste good if you're not a mayonnaise person? Yeah, good question. That's I, a great question. I think it's I, I, I think it's I think it's impossible. I, I don't know how you do it without mayo. You might use uh, Miracle Whip. Well, let's God just assume. God forbid. Let's just assume, for the sake of discussion, that if they don't like mayo, they don't like Miracle Whip. So, what would you use? All I mean, would you use some kind of olive oil, light olive oil, or peanut oil, to, just to give it some kind of consistency? Yeah, you would do that to give it some kind of flavor, right? You could also, and then you would season to taste, yeah. Yep, pretty much, or with a little ketchup. Little ketchup. Whoa, you're you're. You're generally an anti-ketchup guy. Yep. But oh. I mean, it you got to be creative, not too much. Why are you why are you anti-ketchup? Well, I'm not so anti-ketchup if you mix it with mayo and you got a thousand ions. There you go. That's that's how I treat ketchup. Um, here's a little um so this is from Dave and Vacaville. An heirloom tomato, I don't even know what that is, cheese and mayo on French bread. 
That's delicious. Now, heirloom tomato is is a homegrown, outdoors, right off the vine tomato. Uh, that is uh, a little riper, a little richer in flavor. And then uh, dress it to how you want. But right. On bread, uh, on a baguette or something like that. Little mayo, lettuce. You're right in the front row. All right. Here's another non-mayonnaise uh, uh, recommendation. Dijon mustard. Yes. E-V-O-O. I don't even know what that is. Extra virgin olive oil. Oh, really? So, yeah. like, this is like a food snob that sent this? Yeah. Like, who the hell knows what that means? E-V-O-O? I do. <laughs> yeah. But but that's 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 only because I've watched Rachel Ray enough uh, pound it into you. I know, but you're e- like E V O O. Yeah, my E V O O. Your 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 extra virgin olive oil. I know, but you're biculinary. You go you go snobby and you go normal. Yeah. All right, obviously well, this I, person. I just want to know. I know, I know, I know. But for the rest of us, you know, somebody says you. Tells you like E V O O, like oh, what does that mean there, little Miss Food Snob? Um, and then fresh lemon juice. Yes, very good seasonings. Yes, Dijon mustard. Um, you know, I've seen it. Is it me not reading it right? But it says like mayonnaise on it. Maybe for the French. Maybe for the French. Maybe for the French. Got it. But got it. it's mustard to me. Got it. Dijon and mustard. And, and Dijon mustard uh, has has wine in it. That's what that is. Here's another one. This is from the little food snob that just sent the EVOO. Kim is <laughs> awesome. I love him. He knows all about EVOO as a restauranteur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, don't let Kim, like, muck it around like he's a normal dude for you, okay? <laughs> he's a snobby. He comes from elite food background, just in case you don't know. His grandmother was the editor of Ladies Home Journal's food section. That's the kind of pedigree that Kim comes from. Yeah. And his mother, his mother... I was very lucky. Yeah. His mother... Couldn't cook a lick. Yeah. <laughs> she did at the end, though. She was a great cook at the end. Oh, my God. But Kim, Kim, like a good son, terrified of his mother. Kim tells a story that is so funny. His mom comes out after he and Beth get married and rearranges the furniture in their apartment. <laughs> that was That was a scene. Beth went ballistic. Can you imagine? And now you have... She got right under my mother's nose <laughs> and, and and told her, you know, stay out of our life. Right? <laughs> and then you have Pussy Boy in the corner afraid to get into the, involved in this fight. Oh, no. I wasn't going near that. <laughs> Pussy Boy was... Right. That's the right description. Oh, Leave God. me alone, Mom. Oh, my God. He The first time he ever tells his story... 
I'm in tears, right? Because he's talking about his mother and the way his mother, like, my mom ran the show, man. And then she comes out to visit Beth and I and we both go to work. We come home and the, our furniture's rearranged. <laughs> and then, oh, my God. Then he says, Beth looks at me. And obviously, if somebody will rearrange your furniture in your apartment, right, that's not the only, like, piece of aggression that they've inflicted into your life right so this is like this oh. gr- <laughs> right? this growing thing <laughs> in kim and beth's life that, that was my mother's lot in life right. to fuck with me <laughs> and 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 to oh. rearrange my life oh my god according to, to her Aunt right linda. exactly exactly to linda Hey, what and, was and, it? And, what would you? I mean, so what was it? What was it like to go eat at your grandmother's place? That must have been. That must oh, have been pretty cool. Huh? That was way cool. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, my you go eat at my grandmother's plate. She had these beautiful little shells, one with uh, these pearl spoons, one is in the salt dish and one is in the pepper dish in front of each place setting. And so you salt and peppered your own food. And then you, you, you had a water glass then you had a wine glass and, uh, I get to sip everything, try everything. There was nothing I couldn't have. As long as I tried it, I could have it. Wow. Hey, um, how would my grandmother used to, there used to be butter in a, in a butter bowl. I mean, it was like a little crystal, um, flat dish, glass flat dish. And, and, um, and, but they were, there was a pattern to the butter. Would they be dollops or the little, butter balls that my grandmother would make do you know what i'm talking about yep i do mine did how did how did is there like a little scoop that they used to make that it it's a little scoop and they they scoop out of a tub these these butter. butter balls right you know like a little miniature ice cream scoop right 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 how funny and and then then set them there and then put them in the fridge to get cold. Yeah, the wonders of, of the wonders of a child as you're sitting there at dinner and you're staring at the butter wondering, I wonder how grandma does that. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I ha- I had to know. <laughs> so you asked? I, I always asked. Oh, I, what are you doing? I don't think yeah. I I don't know if I spoke very much at dinner, which would be odd for me. I mean, normally it's 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 I do speak. Um but the um but yeah, I don't know that I would ask that. I don't know why. Why it wouldn't occur to me to ask my grandma that. My I, my grandma and my grandpa, my grandmother, because I had a grandma and then I had a grandmother. Yeah. My dad's mom, Josephine Lane, um, was born in California in 1896. Her parents, both wow. Irish, yeah, I believe may have come over during the gold rush or something like that. I'm not sure about that, though. Maybe after. <laughs> but my grandmother... Josie, she was born in California. My grandmother, Margaret, came from a wealthy family in Seattle, and they were a mining family, and the mines were up in Alaska, so she lived part of her life in Alaska, 
Grew up wow. in, went to high school in a convent and then met my grandfather. Uh, he was a professor at the University of Washington. She was a student. Quite the scandal when they married. My f- grandfather, yes. a very stern guy, bordering on very mean. Um, yeah, he's John. Viv- that sounds right. Yeah, John Vivian Forden. You know, went to left home and went to work when he was fourteen. Um, you know, just uh, he was into like rowing and marathons in like nineteen fifteen, nineteen shit like that, like non fun yeah. stuff. Like, uh, so anyway, uh, and but my grandmother was this. Now she growing up in Seattle, you may not know this, Kim, but they Seattle had a department store named Nordstrom's. Oh yeah. And the before, number one store. Right. Before it went national, it was a legendary regional store in in the Seattle yeah. area. And if you look at pictures of my grandmother, I don't care yeah. when you see her, she is dressed to the nines. Oh yeah. Oh my god. If you worked in Nordstrom, you you uh, you dressed to and she she never worked it. She just but I and I heard about Nordstrom's as a kid. My mother would talk about it. Right, I'd never been like, you know, my mom going off about this store. Yeah. My mom going off about this store in uh, in, uh, in in Washington. So, um, so my grandmother, um, she and my grandfather retired, and they owned about I want to say two acres in Sacramento. Um, yeah, we would go out to their place. My grandfather raised pigeons, and he, uh-huh. had, he had a pigeon coop, and they had like one full acre of, you know, garden vegetables and blah blah oh, blah. God. Yeah, they they raised beautiful. Bo- yeah, they raised boysenberries and corn and tomatoes, and I I mean I wish I could yeah. remember. They had this big garage. It was a barn. It used to be a barn at one point, and I used to love to go out and kind of explore in it, but. I never got too far in it because I was always afraid that my grandfather would come looking for me and find me and get pissed at me. <laughs> he got pissed at me because I spilled my milk once at dinner and yelled at me at dinner. And I got up and I ran out of the house and I hid. And so like a few minutes later, my grandmother comes outside. Michael, come back in. And I'm hiding in the bushes in their front yard. that a big, 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 big front yard and that kind of a crescent driveway. Okay, and yeah. inside the crescent were all these juniper shrubs, but they were big, and yeah. I was hiding in there. And he had this irrigation system that he would put the hose in one of the big trees out there, and there was pipes between the different irrigation bowls, and yeah. and the water would flow between them. Uh-huh. I pulled all the pipes out. Oh my god! Yeah, I was being got a, in big trouble. No, well. My grandfather then comes out maybe 15, 20 minutes later. Michael, it's fine. Come back in the house, you know. And I wasn't coming in for shit, man. <laughs> I, finally, I finally had to walk in. My grandmother gives me a big hug, you know, all that. But the only thing my grandfather used to get really happy and excited for that I remember is on Saturdays they'd be doing the college football scoreboard. And if the University yeah. of Washington Huskies, Huskies won – he would like, oh, damn it, Margaret. <laughs> and you'd be sitting there going, uh-oh, what's going on? But, uh, yeah, my grandma and grandpa. My grandma was that cherry pie comes from that grandmother. Yeah. Comes from her, Margaret. 
No kidding. Yeah, and she was just a great baker. And then when we would have lunch with my grandmother, she would make a tuna fish sandwiches with Fritos, right? Yes, yes. And do you remember the um, Olympia beer? Yep. And they used to have the little minis, like six-ounce beers in the small cans? Yep. My grandmother would have an Olympia beer, and she would have Fritos and tuna fish, and we would have orange juice for instead of Olympia beer, and we'd eat out on the front porch of her house. <laughs> the things you That's cool. Oh, yeah. No, she, and she had a big bicep, too, my grandmother. And I said, Grandma, let me see your muscles. And she would. She would ball up her bicep. <laughs> oh, my God. And she was the most devout woman in the world. And she, yeah. until she passed away, she ironed linen for the church. And uh-huh. um, she was just a, a saintly human being. And I remember my mom telling me a story about it. I was telling my grandma, can you lift me up so I can see God? And, and my grandma was like, Michael, if I lift you up, you won't be able to see God. And I said, no, Grandma, I can if if you just lift me up right here. And what I was wanted to see was they had a crucifix on the wall of the bedroom. And my mom comes walking in. She goes, Mom, I think he wants to see the crucifix. Oh, she goes, oh, okay. And she lifts me up so I could see the crucifix. But my mother, Margaret Forden, grew up in a mining – my grandmother grew up in a mining family. The um, All right, I got to come – Amazing. Wa- yeah, no, Al, it's just – you know, you have Kim, you know, Kim's stories about his grandma and, and, and the world that she introduced him to, right, um, as it's a young remarkable. guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, it's your grandmother that la- really that encourages you, right, and launches you down this, you know, lifetime of culinary. Uh, ex- Pretty much it was Omi that did it. And, uh, my mother's uh, mother was uh, a German lady and a hell of a cook and was no slouch, but uh, couldn't hold a candle to Omi. <laughs> Omi. My, my grandmother. There you go. My dad's mother. Got it, got it. All right, man. First of all, uh, thank you for the fun time this morning. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Hey, did uh, did Colleen ever get that stuff I sent her? I don't know. They've been gone up in Lake Tahoe, and and so I'm not sure. I will uh, let me ask. They just got back last night. Okay. So I will uh, I will find out. Yeah, I sent her a card with considerable. Okay. The um yeah no they've been gone so let me uh donation yes yeah. so let me I will find out good all right bud have well a- I'm glad that she had a good time at Tahoe well yeah I, I haven't really spoken to her about it but I they always do John was up there with his wife and oh, son great yeah yeah so uh, so yeah I got a chance to see uh, you know so my ex's family all goes up there and I think a bunch of them were up there and then I uh, got a chance to see. Uh, Colleen got a chance to see her nephew, so I'm sure that was a good time. So anyway, but I will find out. But yeah, she's been gone so for a while. Just, just curious. Okay, all right, bud. Have a great uh, have a great weekend. You have a great weekend, and are you uh, off to Hawaii anytime soon? No, I, I'm here for a while. I I I, uh, I head up to Montana here in a few weeks, and good. Uh, 
And then I think I go back and speak in uh, Illinois, which will be a first. So I'm excited about that. Here in wow. uh, yeah, here in uh, at the beginning of August. So yeah, I think I'm around. I, I'm not doing too much in July, but but I got the first draft of my book back, and so I got to work on that. And uh, and I've got some uh, people that are interested in talking business with me, and so I'm uh, that'll be interesting too. So so exciting stuff. Exciting I'm happy stuff. for you. Yeah, well, it's, you deserve it, brother. No, it's uh, like I was talking when I first came on the show this morning. Somebody that was in my seminars called me this morning at seven thirty and said, "I got to talk to you." And uh, huh. I mean, it's just this moment when somebody <laughs> that's been through a lot in their life, right? Uh, financial difficulty, alcohol, and you know, making it all worse all of a sudden is now on a path where they're beginning to figure it out and they have this, you know, I think alcoholics call it a moment of clarity. And, but they now believe they have the tools um, to, to not only, as I say, live a good life, but live a great life. And there's, there's no, all right. And I know for those of you who don't know, Kim did a lot of this when, you know, taking people that, you know, we're struggling in life, giving them jobs, encouraging them, being there for them. And there's no better feeling than to see somebody that that, that turns their life around and, and hear the excitement. It's really remarkable. Yeah, here's and hear the excitement in their, their life. And I'm lucky in that that's a part of my life now on a daily basis. So I, I, lived a, I live um, a remarkable life. I, I can't tell people how um, satisfying it is um, to... Uh, you know, to help people find a path through very, very difficult circumstances. And then as they begin to help other people, watch the transformation of their life. And, uh, yeah, it's the coolest. That's that's, that's paramount. Buddy. Yeah. It's the coolest thing you could do with your life. You, so. you do a great service. Well, no, it's uh, I, I, I love doing it, so it's not hard. So, anyway, well, thank you. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, not, it's fun. It's not hard, but. You're good at it. That's all. I appreciate that. And go cracking. Go cracking, baby. <laughs> go crack. Let's get cracking, baby. All right. See you, Kim. See ya. There you have it. The one and only Pete Kimball Holmes here on a uh, my hetero life partner, as he describes himself. <laughs> he said. He said that. He said that on the air one day. We were. We were. Uh, I don't know. We're doing the radio show when we first started. I'll, I'll tell, for those of you who've never heard the story, the story of my hetero life partner. Um, he used to do a little bit of cooking stuff like a couple times a year with the guy that I took over for. And so I'm there and I'm like helping out. And Kim comes on and he and I meet. And we have, right, we have the best time. And so I call him. I don't know him. I mean, he's got the swankiest restaurant in town. I don't go to it, right? I've never been to his restaurant. And um, and so I call him up and I said, hey, man, would you come back on the show on Friday? And he said, you mean this Friday? Because he normally just came on before Thanksgiving and Christmas, stuff like that. I said, yeah. I said, we'll just talk cooking and, you know, and we'll talk shit. And he goes, yeah. So Kim 
has been doing on Friday this with me since probably about 2000 when I haven't been in Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah, that's how we met. And so then uh, we slowly become to become, you know, very, very good friends. And one day he's on the show and he says, my hetero life partner, what is up? And I'm like, what did you just say? Yeah, funny. And then, you know, both my sons went to work for him uh, in his restaurant. And then, uh, you know, if you ask my kids the favorite restaurant, you know, ever, they would tell you. They will all tell you Kim's restaurant, you know. Um, yeah, Colleen and Catherine, you know. <laughs> Kim is Colleen's uh, godfather. And uh, so, yeah, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, you know, person in my life. My hetero life partner. Yeah, as he's known. So on this Friday, um, thanks for listening. And I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to stick your hand out and help somebody. And you don't need a PhD. You don't need to remember everything about post-traumatic winning. If you can remember, you're not going to get over it. If you can remember that you got to talk about it, don't fake it. If you can remember that, right? Think in the midst of that conversation, go to my website, call one of those phone numbers, and say, help me. And I'd be more than happy to. I'd be more than happy to. So, um, on that note, have a great weekend. Uh, on Monday, you're going to hear a really cool story about a book. Uh, that got written kind of impromptu. And the book is called The Rifle. And it's written by a uh, a guy who's in his 30s. His name is Andy Biggio. And he took this rifle and he sat down with a veteran who'd used the rifle in World War II. And having that rifle in his hands again transformed that guy and brought all these stories out. And and so he began doing that, and then he wrote a book about the ex- the whole experience, right? Fun, and and he's funny. Um, so you'll hear that you'll hear that. So it's it's a great interview. So anyway, have a great weekend. Red Sox and Yankees tonight. Go Yankees! I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. And don't be afraid. To change somebody's life. You could do it, I promise you. That's no joke. No, I'm out. Have a good weekend.